everyone, and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about the world of independent comics. Woo! I am one of your hosts, Brian, and with me, as always, is Carrie. Hello. And Richard. Hi. Woo! I'm glad you guys are with us, with me today. Good. Yes, and we can all do our, our best Ric Flair woo whenever we want to during this podcast. Woo! <laughs> all right so as always we do have a wonderful show in store and as always i like to break the ice before we begin venturing into the world of comic books so my question for you um you know it kind of came up in my brain because i do this personally and also with like there was a nintendo direct today and new final fantasy is coming out tomorrow and we obviously still have tears of the kingdom so my question is do do you all like to have like a secondary game while you're playing your main game like maybe like not as like immersive as like the main game you're playing just kind of as like a palate cleanser you know like you know like where you're not just spending all the time in the world playing the game no matter how good it is and how much you want to play it, you want you kind of want a, a little bit of like a maybe fries to go with that burger essentially um sometimes yes but most of the time if i'm playing a game i just want to focus on that one game i definitely mm-hmm. don't want to play two big games at a time like i remember a few years ago, I was replaying the original Final Fantasy VII, and then, like, I was playing a more modern game at the same time. But, like, I don't want to play, like, two AAA games at once. Yeah. No, totally get it. And Fair. Same way. And for... How about you, Carrie? Um, Not really? So, I technically only play one game. Yes, true. And that's been for the last four years now, five years. Um, I only play uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yes. I go through periods where I start a new run and then I'll I'll hammer away at that like as often as I can but as far as like backseat driving video games yeah. like with you I do not like it you don't like it when... I don't like it when you switch to another game okay because but... I'm a I'm a creature yeah. of habit and for me like I I like to have every once in a while kind of like a an extra style of game and, and same same as you Richard when it comes to like it has to not be like a triple a title or it, it has to be something a lot smaller and um except for the case where for a very long time my palette cleanser game was kind of um was was animal crossing and so i played basically animal crossing every day plus whatever game i was actually playing yeah but, and but I, I feel like that yeah I I loved my time with uh, Animal Crossing. I also feel like gameplay wise that you know fairly counts as a game, just because. Yeah, it's more like it's more like chores. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a life sim. You know what I'm saying? It is. Like, <laughs> yeah, you check in on your island, you say what's up. Like part mm-hmm. of the reason why I don't like to do two games at a time is because of like I'll when we first started playing Tears of the Kingdom, you and I were talking about like the button scheme thing. It's yes. just kind of like I'm used to where my buttons are, and if I switch to like a PlayStation game, the buttons are going to be completely different, and yeah. then I have to do the readjustment period every time I switch over. Absolutely, and and I'm the same way. But I I started playing um, the game Celeste on the PS5. Um, nice. How do you like it? 
Um, I love. I played it before on the Switch. Um, it's it's got to be one of my favorite, like at least my one of my favorite indie games of all time. Maybe one of one of my all time favorites as well. It's just there's just so. It's just the music's good. The even though it's pixel graphics, like the graphics work perfectly. The colors are amazing. The oh yeah, the, it has very pretty sprite work. Yeah, and the story is like wonderful. It's it's extremely like it's basically like a therapy session in a platformer. Is basically what Celeste is. It's it's so good, and so um, so yeah, like I I was I was playing that um. The night before we were about to go on on a quick trip because I knew I was gonna take the switch and play Tears of the Kingdom the entire time while I was on that trip. So I was like, okay, I gotta play something else real quick. And yeah, and, and it's funny, it's either the PS5 version is smoother, like playing with the controller than the Switch version, or I just got better in at video games in the last two or three years because this time mm-hmm. around I'm not having as much trouble as I was the first time I was playing <laughs> Celeste because that that is a very uh, unforgivable platformer. Like it, like they, they tell you you're gonna die a lot. It's totally fine. Die as many times as you want to or need to because that's the whole point of this game, and it's that's very true. It's like yeah, you're you're supposed to die in this game. Um, as many times as it takes until you succeed in doing this very intricate pattern in order to get past this uh, this level, so yeah, it's good, good stuff. Very cool. All right, so I guess the ice has now been broken. Mm-hmm. We'll yes. go ahead the only thing is that I have I'm going to make a very hard decision starting tomorrow because Final Fantasy 16 yes. comes out, oh, and I still have to finish Tears of the Kingdom. So Ooh, yeah, we will see. Maybe my stance will change in the next week because <laughs> hard decisions are going to be made. And you know what? Like an open world, even though Tears of the Kingdom is amazing, and since it's an open world, it might be actually easier to put that on a on a back burner for a little bit and then come back to it than it would be to like just wait on on Final Fantasy. Until you're done with Choose the Kingdom. So, um, but whatever decision you make is the right decision in that situation, I think. We shall see. It's hard. I will know, to- I will know tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Well, let us know. Keep us informed. All right. So, we'll go ahead and jump into our DIY corner. Uh, this week's is the, um, the webcomic. Mr. Levenstein, they have a, a second volume of of their comics coming out uh, in physical form. This one's called Mr. Levenstein Presents Feelings. It's <laughs> by the uh, author and artist of the comic, uh, J.L. Westover. And um, yeah, I'm sure you've come across, everyone's come across these uh, these comics in one one form or another. Um, they're, they're pretty funny. They're pretty relatable. Uh, I'll give the quick blurb from uh, the author about this uh, just so you know as well there is a um, a Kickstarter version um, that that's obviously this is what we're talking about and then a few months later there's going to be a non-Kickstarter version coming up from Image slash Skybound and so uh, if you want like kind of the cool special edition this is the one to, to jump into um, and as uh, J.L. Westover has written says that this book is a whole ass mood. It features a collection of my funniest comics with all the feels. Every emotion is on display, joy, sadness, rage, love, anxiety, and horny. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and cry some more. I poured my heart and soul and pancreas into this project, and I'm just a little guy. To, to birth this beautiful book, I'll need your emotional and financial support. 
So, so yeah, the, the humor is right there. Um, what's really cool about this too, the showing examples of, of the pages. Uh, one of the things that he does on um, the, the, on the comics online is you can click something for a secret panel for each of these comics. Mm -hmm. And he's added the secret panel on the next page over. Oh, cool. So you get to, so, so you get, you get to kind of experience the entire comic the way it is online in this book. So that, that, that's pretty awesome. And also he's gotten a lot of other webcomic friends to add stuff to it. Um, those would be the special guest authors uh, are Extra Fabulous, uh, Hannah Hillam, Letterbox Comics, Hot Paper Comics, Cassandra Kalin, Elder Cactus Comics, Cyanide and Happiness, Last Place Comics, and the Other End Comics. So yeah, a lot of big names there. And um, actually, that's how I kind of, I follow JLS over slash Mr. Levenstein online. But the, re the way I came across this actual project was off of uh, Cassandra Kalin's um instagram uh she had posted one of the comics that she's submitting to to the uh the book and then mentioned like this will be in you know mr levenstein's new book and i'm like oh mr levenstein has a new book and it's a kickstarter i wish i had a platform where i could talk about kickstarters oh, i do cool. <laughs> here we are so yes so they've already reached their funding goal and now they're working on stretch goals, uh, which includes a sticker packet uh, that's going to be in every single issue. And it has a bunch of his little characters, including the uh, the bird and the penguin and pigeon from the wa the Walking Birds Club comic, which right there is, oh, is totally worth it. As well as the dog who, like, tells the truth about everything. I mean, like, yeah, there's a lot of fun little things here. So even if you don't... Uh, you know, pick up this Kickstarter, check out the comic online if you haven't before. It's it's great. So, all right. Well, it, as always, the link will be in our description for the episode. Yeah, I love Mr. Lovenstein, so I'm really excited for this one. Yeah. And I'm glad that they're uh, successful with it yeah. so far. Very, very cool. I was going to say, where's the time that there's something that I've seen so much on the internet that I'm just finding out it has a name? <laughs> like, yeah, I've seen so many <laughs> yeah. of these comics. I know, right? I never knew. I never knew what they were called until we were covering this. Exactly. And and I just, I think I saw the little picture of the little amorphous man that he draws. And that's why I started following him on Instagram. I didn't even know the name of the books when I started following. I just saw, I know that little comic guy. I'll, mm -hmm. uh, I'll follow this guy online. And that's what I did. Very so cool. here we go. All right. Now it's time for our spotlights where we're going to give out our weekly recommendations of comics. Uh, I'll go first with uh, my first comic is Click, Click, Boom, number one by Doug Wagner, Doug Dabs, two Dugs, Matt Wilson, Ed Dukeshire, and Erica Schnatz from Image Comics. This is a very image heavy episode. Um, I just realized, but uh so Click Click Boom, uh, this was a single issue that came out last week. Uh, Doug Wagner has done a bunch of other books, um, Plush, Plastic, Vinyl. Um, those are three different books with just one word each name names. Um, there's another one called, the I think it's called like The Eye of Odin, which I actually really enjoyed, even though I can't remember the exact name of it right now. Uh, but um, this one I picked up because the cover looked really good. Literally a person wearing heart sunglasses and pink hair, eating a piece of cake and like hitting a cop in the head in the face with their palm. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this looks like my type of book. Um, and it was. It's uh very colorful. Uh the artwork is pretty awesome. Uh the story is really cool and very, very original. 
uh for for first issue um it has a, a dark humor to it it's it's a pretty cool uh and fun read uh, i'll give a quick tiny synopsis to it right now um so this is a i think our main character is sprout um she is mute um she only communicates through polaroid uh polaroid camera essentially so yeah and that can be get kind of hard sometimes um she was raised by her grandfather who was a doomsday prepper so so he basically raised her to survive and like basically be a weapon and something happened to her grandfather now she's in the city for the first time in her life and uh, she's kind of adapting but the reason why she's there apparently is for revenge against a corporation called minerva world services uh she's going into these places uh and brandishing a gun and scaring everyone not not shooting anyone not stealing anything just scaring everyone and then leaving a a polaroid of her grandfather and leaving and uh but one of the the times that this happens two accountants at the minerva world services happen to be at this place at the same time and the reason why i'm kind of saying accountants in a way that i'm making quotations with my hand at the same time is because these accountants are also heavily armed they start shooting at at at, uh sprout and sprout shoots back and the only people that get hurt or harmed are those accountants so so obviously she's not uh up to to mass violence in this in this situation uh so there's a reporter well she's she has a podcast um and her name is serena biggs and she is kind of diving into the conspiracy of this person like this polaroid person as well as um as minerva world services and she goes to the headquarters to ask more questions and she gets turned away by the uh by the secretary and as she's being pulled away the you know some heavies maybe more accountants come up to like basically take care of her and sprout uh saves serena's life and then takes her to this flop house that sprout is staying at well um and basically starts like you know talking in quotation marks to serena um through the polaroid pictures but then you find out that they've been followed and um there's going to probably be a big gunfight coming up in the uh, next issue so it's yeah it's richard this sounds this feels like a richard comic like uh when you talk about chicken devil and stuff like this is this feels (laughs) like this is that kind of comic so um i definitely i recommend to everyone to read but i definitely personally recommend it to you as well like directly (laughs) so so yeah definitely looks like a fun comic um i can't wait to to read the rest because it also has like kind of a, a quirky sense of humor to it so um, it, it's gonna be pretty fun by the sounds of it oh. all right and then just really quickly my second one uh because you know me i gotta get a graphic novel in mm-hmm. every once in a while aka every week and this one is um the faint of heart by carolyn wilson uh from green willow books this is a uh, Carolyn Wilson's first graphic novel, and I gotta say, good job, because this is a great read, and what is why I'm recommending it. Um, so this is the story of June, and June is a high school student. She loves art. Um, she's very creative. She's not doing too well in school. Um, 
which you know sounds like a normal teenager you know you know like a, nor- a normal creative teenager not doing too well in school but you know has her own love and own passions and everything but the issue with this situation is this is a world where a scientist has figured out how to take people's hearts out of their body and have them still survive and they put the heart in a numbing solution in a jar and what that numbing solution does is besides keeping the heart alive it also um, basically makes the person where that heart came from bereft of emotions everyone becomes extremely like practical and like science and math oriented and have no time for anything else but like logic essentially Uh, so june is basically the only person in this town or the city rather um that has not had her heart taken out and um she you know is not doing too well in school uh for obvious reasons and uh and the art art class that she loved got canceled her she used to have a really close relationship with her sister who was also an artist but then she got her heart taken out and um and now it's just you know it's obviously strained um and so she's kind of like the odd person out well she runs across someone's been stealing the hearts out of the the place where they're stored and she comes across someone's heart um that's just in the alleyway for some reason and she doesn't know why and she decides to take it with her and um she her plan is she wants to bring her sister back and her sister's uh, name is maya by the way and uh which i just realized her name is june and her sister's maya m-a-y so okay. i wonder if that was a was, was intentional that's pretty cool yep um so anyways uh maya um she or sorry june is planning on putting the heart even though it's not maya's heart into her um so basically or trying to figure out a way to find the scientist who's now gone aloof like no one knows where the scientist is that that uh, invented this process and but she wants to basically find the scientist gets his heart into her sister and get her sister back essentially um mm-hmm. she then um is in a class with a, a, a little boy a boy named max and this guy he's had the heart surgery but something's going on with him and he's now starting to get feelings back and he's not sure why so it's it's become kind of like a two-pronged situation where they're researching this heart slash like trying to figure out how to get hearts back in bodies because max is also now realizing that he wants to feel oh so like now that he's getting the the ability to feel again so so they kind of go on they team up do some research and go on a journey together to to basically try to resolve the issues that everyone's having and I'm, I'm getting kind of ambiguous here at the end because I don't want to give away the the emotional beats that happen after that. Beats, well, no fair. pun intended, by the way, with, with the heart. Uh, all right. But <laughs> um, it's mostly black and white. Uh, what's really cool about it, I, and I think it's because June is the only person sh- um, having emotions. Um, the only thing that you see... It, um, in color is June. Like she wears like a yellow jacket a lot of times, hmm. and you see her yellow jacket. Everything else is like black and white and gray. And um, also the hearts, like the heart that she finds in the alley, is uh, you can it has color to it as well. 
So it's like the, the colors are the emotions of the people, I think is what interesting. So yeah, it's well done. Like for I didn't I didn't believe it when I read the the back of it and said this is their first graphic novel. And it's like, well, they did a good job because I don't <laughs> think they've done this on my seventh graphic novel. You know, so like this is this is excellent. So um it's it's good. It's uh, I think I think uh Green Willow Books is a uh, part of Harper Collins, if I remember correctly, or Harper Alley. Uh, but regardless, um, definitely something. If your comic shop or book store is not carrying it, you know, ask them if they can order it because I'm pretty sure they can, or get it digitally like I did. It's up to you. All right, nice, very cool. I was gonna say, in, uh, in One Piece, there's someone that has a uh, part of his ability is that he could like pull people's hearts out. Because mm-hmm. like the ability that he has is basically he has like the operating ability, like a surgery ability. So he'll pull someone's heart out and it encases it, so like they can live with no heart in their chest. But also he could, uh, like, like basically he uh, could switch people's hearts. So then, like, if he took Carrie's heart and put it in Brian's body and vice versa, basically he would look like Brian but have all of Carrie's personality and behavior. Okay. Oh my god, how cute would that be? Yes. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'm the only one who thought that'd be cute. <laughs> no oh, it, it's very it. cute when it happens. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the, the 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 toughest characters like in one of the uh, women's bodies, and then like the woman's mad because the pervy characters in her in her body, and he, you know, oh, might shit. look at her. <laughs> oh, creepy. Yeah. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> exactly. Freaky Friday. Very freaky Friday. Um, all right. Well, um, with all that, Richard, if you uh, want to go ahead and do your spotlights. Oh, go from there. I didn't know. I was still doing that. <laughs> if you want to. If I so desire. Um, so this desire. week I'm looking at Love Stick number one mm-hmm. by Luana v- Vecchios, and uh, mm-hmm. who wrote and drew and came up with this whole concept. And it is a doozy. I'm going to just start with the front cover. Um, yes, the front cover is our main character. Uh, the main character is a, a woman named Domino. She's a dominatrix. She's very, very hot. She's clad in like leather dominatrix clothes. And she has a bunch of like a harem of women with her. And they all wear their their dominatrix as well. And they wear like a court of owl mask where you could only, you know, you white mask, you know, very little. Uh, differentiating features on the mask just kind of eye holes and then you see a gentleman who is wearing a collar and has a pig mask on kind of like professor pig i'm assuming maybe uh luana's a uh, batman fan or or grant morris batman fan <laughs> maybe but yeah so this book opens up with the uh, uh domino and her girl and they do dominatrix stuff but they are torturing the person this this gentleman is like beat up and bloody, but he's super into it. <laughs> Eventually, they uh, put on the uh, pig mask on him and they slit his throat. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, it gets very dark very quickly. And we, you know, see pictures of Domino. Like you know, there's like a magazine. Like people get a, a basically like a blind box. The people that subscribe to this. And you can get videos, and there's like a live stream of Domino's stuff. So what we find out is Domino kind of exists on the uh, dark web, and there is a whole segment of the population that's like into like this degrading dominatrix stuff. But what happens is that with that, 
on the dark web, she gets like a bunch of incels and like they're anti-women, anti this, anti that. And all these people are trying to get, be able to like meet Dom. Like basically there's a whole line of people that want to be the next person that like gets dominated by Domino and her girls. But what they seem to keep doing is they keep like picking like incels, like basically like these gross people in society. And like they think that they're showing up for sex or something and they want to be dominated, but like they torture them and looks like they end up murdering them. There's like this one dude that when he takes she takes the gag out of his mouth, he's calling her a skank, and she's just like, You're the type of women that's what's wrong with the world. And then like he she carves domino notice beat into his chest and his abdomen. Mm-hmm. And basically she spits in his mouth and it's like he, he's simultaneously protesting, but also ve- like very much getting off on it, and and then they like kill him. But this is all on a live stream; the people can see it, and yet they're still volunteering to be the next person. And then we see um, the end of the issue ends with Domino at, after you know torturing this dude. She there's somebody with her, another gentleman, and he's in a git mask, and we assume that uh, he's about to get tortured as well, but there's no live stream, there's no cameras, and they just lay on the floor together and she spoons him. Mm-hmm. And I'm that's like... the end of the first issue. Yeah. <laughs> this book, like, like I can't, it, it, it's all out. It's a seven-issue series. Um, it is completed, so I intend to probably read all of it very soon, but, like, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's crazy. But, like, it has, like, you know... Ah, I'm reading. Yeah, I'm reading it. I'm reading it. I'm reading it. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm having an actual uh, visceral reaction to this while you're talking about it. Yeah, no, like it has a lot of commentary on like you know the current like internet social structure with like uh you know incels and people that like hate women. So I it seems like it's very pro women and pro sexuality, but like the people that are pro women and pro sexuality are very brutal and like murdering people horrifically. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I feel. I don't know yeah. how, where this book is going. All I know is it definitely piqued my interest. So I, yeah, I, um, I, I read this when it came out and actually the, uh, the actual graphic novel came out this week. So the, oh. first, yeah, collected edition. That's on my, I know, that's my it, of course, Brian, I knew that. That's why <laughs> I picked it. <laughs> and, you know me and my perfect timing. That's yep. exactly what I play. <laughs> Excellent. We, we all knew that's exactly what you had planned. Definitely. That's synergy. Um, the, uh, but yeah, and I kind of had the same reactions that both you and Carrie had with this book. Um, I picked it's a it up. very visceral book. Like whatever, I, whatever you think about it, it's very visceral. You're like, you can't, I, I can't imagine reading anyone reading this and not having some sort of reaction. So, so Luana Vec- Vecchio did the art for a book that um, I read a few, uh, or actually right before this book came out called Bolero. And I mm-hmm. really liked that book. And that book also had like, you know, it was kind of a sexy book as well. Um, well, you know, sexy i mean per se <laughs> and they, so they and, draw sexy well yeah Definitely and then got and, that dumb and then i you know i saw the cover i'm like oh cool this is like another like fun sexy book from luana Vec- vecchio i'll pick it up and i'm like oh yeah this is not fun <laughs> but i don't know how i feel about yeah. it Right, that uh, Carrie. That's exactly how I felt. Like I knew that I was intrigued, but I didn't know how I felt. 
<laughs> when, yeah. I, mm -hmm. when I finished up with it. It's literally like um like a car accident or like a a really bad you know thing on the internet where you probably feel like you shouldn't want to see it, but you still want to see it and you're probably mm -hmm. gonna see it. Yeah. It's just icky, but it's also very like, but I wanna know why they're spooning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, is this the 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 art itself is top tier. Like this oh, absolutely. is really, really yeah. high end art. So I'm just kind of like, I just don't know where it goes and how I feel about what I just read. Mm -hmm. But I know that I kind of want to read more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Once again, it's that that muted color. Um, but and then everything, everything that's blood is bright and red. You know, mm -hmm. like it just, yeah. So it just really pops. It, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I'm definitely. Pick. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it, it had been in my queue for a while, and I was just like, oh, let me let me check this out. And also, um, if any of the stuff in this book is like real, y'all are in some weird, really weird shit, yo. Like, I'm not <laughs> mm -hmm. judging anybody. I'm just saying you, what people think is fun is very different. From what I think is fun and sexy and sexual, mm -hmm. and yeah. if that's your cake, I am not yucking your yum. I'm just saying, hey, we're you and I are not the same, and I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying we're not the same because, like, even at the point where she like she bites a chunk out of the dude and like spits it at him and then spits in his mouth, and I'm yeah. just yeah. kind of like, yeah. why would someone yeah. enjoy this? Exactly. But apparently, there's folks out there that enjoy stuff like. This. Speaking of the pain and pleasure thing, um, our main subject it kind of goes along with that too. So this might be a good I like time. That. To... that was seamless. That was sexy. I liked it. Mm -hmm. This might this might be a good time to go into our main subject, um, which is our second adventure into the world of Reckless, and um, which our first one was three episodes ago. I think yes. Yeah. So um, and this one is. Friend of the Devil, a reckless story by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Jacob Phillips from Image Comics as well. And uh, this was my choice as the other reckless books that are going to be for the next uh, few <laughs> weeks after this. Um, so I'll go ahead and get into... It's now 1985, and Ethan Reckless has found love, or at least as close to love that he can feel after the bomb explosion that wiped away most of his strong emotions. Uh, when watching a random C-grade horror movie from the 1970s at the El Ricardo Theater that he owns uh, with the object of his affection, Lynn Tran, Lynn sees her presumed missing sister in the background. Ethan agrees to do his best to find the girl, um, but as the search goes on, Ethan finds himself deep in the seedy side of Hollywood as well as the dark and violent transition of the peace and love, love hippie movement into a world of death cults. Uh, will Ethan not only solve the case, but will he also be able to survive this situation that he's in? Mm -hmm. So that's my non-spoilery synopsis of the story. Yes. Of the story. So I guess we'll jump into spoilers. Um, first question. Well, personally, obviously I enjoyed this book. In fact, I think it's, I like this one better than the first one, but what did y'all think about it? I think I may have liked it better than the first one as well. That said, the first one was really good, so yes. that's that's a tough sell. Mm -hmm. But um, 
it maybe my crux of uh me liking this better than the uh the first book is uh Lynn. Yeah. Lynn's an like, I, MVP. Like I just I like that character. Also, yes. like kudos to 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 Ethan that you're just gonna have like cool love interest after cool love interest, even though you have no emotions. But yeah, no, <laughs> she was just like a great character. I just really enjoyed that character and and how it plays into the overarching story was just I don't know. I enjoyed it more. Like I feel like this this book had less action than the last book. Yes. And I just feel like the story was told better. And I, I enjoyed I, it a I bit more. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Richard. I um I I think that the whole vibe of this book, the pace is different, the vibe is different, um, but it's a stronger story. Uh and it's so so good and this episode i'm gonna say drugs are bad <laughs> drugs are not good and they don't look fun in this one and <laughs> i was very shocked because i thought i was gonna be free free willy-nilly this whole um this whole thing that we were doing with reckless and i have to think that drugs are bad on this one i when, didn't like when them. the drugs are provided by a literal nazi don't do them. <laughs> For real. That said, did I, did I want to go to that party? Absolutely. Did yeah. I want to, you know, that Irish goodbye party? at that party? No, I'm going to say, did I want to Irish goodbye at that party before it got really weird? Yeah. Also, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that seemed like a party that, like, if you left right before it got strange, it's the best party you've ever gone to. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it, once once you get into the yada 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 of that party, yeah, that, it's gone too far. Um, <laughs> back to Lynn's character, yes. I thought that she was amazing. I thought it was she was a good um. I don't know if the word is juxtaposition, but she was a really good um counter to Ethan. Of besides the fact that she was um so much younger. Uh, she had an air of mystery about her, obviously, which is what we get into later in the story. But she's kind of like a hard ass, too. Mm -hmm. And I think that that plays well with his character type. Yeah. And it was just. It was probably the most mature that we've seen Ethan Ben be this like thus far. But also I'm wondering because I, I haven't read the books like brian has but i'm wondering is this the most mature we get out of ethan is he peaking is this his peak of maturity and is now he going because he's now he's had a taste of love what he encapsulates as what real love could possibly feel like even for mm -hmm. being summer i'm wondering did did we hit did we hit the peak and is I he gonna come down honestly i don't remember okay so good all, that's a good answer yeah, because okay. i've only read the the third book is the farthest I got. Oh, in the that's series. right. And there's five, right? There's five. Yes. Okay. okay. So um I was gonna say, um, have either of you had like a relationship like this where it ends and it's not anything either of you did and you don't walk away hating each other. It's just kind of like the situation dictates that it needs to, you know, the yeah, we like whatever's happening in life, like we can't be together for whatever I've, reason. I've had and relationships, then, like, but not relationships like that. But like you always root for that, like like there's no jealousy like that person is within their new relationship you see a picture of them and you're like i'm glad they're doing well and they feel the same for you like i've had like probably a a relationship or two like that and it's it's weird because i'm like 
part of me is like, maybe that was it. Like, maybe that was the one. And if we were to work it out, things would be perfect. But also, I'm just kind of like, eh, doesn't matter. I'm really happy for that person. No, I'm a fiery Latina. <laughs> I have, oh, so no. <laughs> I have flash tires. I have gotten in fights. Um, I have, I've uh, keyed cars. Um, yeah, I was really bad at breakups when I was younger. Um, even if I did the breakup. I was just, I handled them really, really poorly, which is why Brian and I can never get divorced. I want to live. <laughs> like, okay, like, really quick aside, you know, we've lived with my parents for a while. We help around the house, blah, blah, blah. But, like, when my mom was alive, you know, when we were first here, she'd be like, Miha, he fucks up. He's dead. You don't got to worry oh. about it. Like, he's fucking dead. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, wait, wait. I, <laughs> so, you know, Brian, I need you to po- I need you to podcast from here in Miami with me where it's safe from now on. Because I worry about to, your uh, safety. Do you need me to blink twice to make sure that I'm okay? Yeah, <laughs> if, I need, if I need help. Um, no, um, but uh, what I was gonna say um, is also uh, with Carrie's admission there. This is this podcast is for entertainment purposes only <laughs> oh my god Anything that we can say she never said that to your face so technically it wasn't a threat yeah it was just motherly love <laughs> no i meant like the slashing tires and stuff oh yeah wink wink that, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that happened when i was i'm 40 now yeah. bitches you can't get a hold of me <laughs> that's not a challenge <laughs> okay well um coming in the book yeah no the, like because of the the relationship in the first book it was definitely like a femme fatale type relationship and lynn tran has that femme fatale like vibe because of how like strong and like capable of a character she is i thought she was gonna be like a villain and like hey, so like book. i i, I okay. I'm waiting for the twist and then like yeah. no she's just kind of aggressively normal but like yeah She's very self-sufficient, so it yeah. seems like maybe she has something else going on. It's just like, no, no, no. Like she's just like a normal, caring person. But do not fuck with her because, like, she will wreck shit. In yeah. other words, like the perfect person for Ethan. Yeah, 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 totally. yeah, yeah. 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 But but unfortunately, like like he says at the end, you know, like showing the video of how, you know, his, her sister got murdered. Spoilers. Kind of. Well, you're already spoiler. <laughs> that's a relationship that's a relationship ender yes that, that's the big spoiler <laughs> so, uh, well let's backtrack a little bit back. now yeah um the, uh so uh Ma- uh lynn has a stepsister named maggie maggie goes oh yeah oh like seven well, we should years set up. lynn's being vietnamese and oh yes 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 so so basically her her mother after her father passes away marries a uh a uh, military man who's uh, stationed in vietnam and then when he moves here as carrie was saying she ends up with a stepsister maggie who's very like white and blonde from cali but very cool and accepting and like the the most awesomest big stepsister someone could ask for. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely right. That was what yeah. I thought. <laughs> like I, I was ready for the racism. I was just like, oh, this girl's so cool. <laughs> yeah, she breaks a dude's no- nose for uh, calling her sister a racial slur. I loved it. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. Definitely, she was so cool. Yeah, but um, she, 
she goes and Maggie goes missing. She, uh, she goes to Hollywood. She to goes become so a star. She always talked about being an actress. She goes to Hollywood. Lynn figures that like the reason she's not calling is because you know she's just busy with her new Hollywood lifestyle. They never, they basically never hear from her again. They're um they filed the missing persons report, but the police weren't much help. And um the way that she sees her sister is like kind of like you know this whole thing comes to the surface is when they're in the El Ricardo watching movies together Ethan and Lynn they're watching a shitty movie and who happens to be on the big screen it is her stepsister so Lynn's surprised to see her is like oh shit she really got into Hollywood tells Ethan the story and because there is a semblance of love and care and respect between each other Ethan in the moment tells her like I will do everything I can to find what I can out like about her and he means it so he goes on this journey to try to find out more information but I think a kicker that we should tell everybody um if you haven't already read this is that he is reeling from the death of his father yes and so he makes comments um you know on his like on his internal monologue thing that like there is something that is missing that he's trying to get back to a feeling, but because his feelings are suppressed, he doesn't know what the feeling is. So it all, it's all kind of like a perfect storm because I think the infatuation or the love that he has for Lynn in that moment and the care for her, I think takes his mind off of, it replaces the regret and the, um, maybe the uh the sadness that he has from the death the passing of his father uh because they did not end on the best of terms and then he died so um yeah it's just it's it's a really interesting journey that he goes on to find out what happens to maggie absolutely and and like unfortunately the um missing persons um department of uh, the police were yeah basically not doing anything they're just they were just like oh she's in hollywood she probably you know did a lot of drugs and she'll just you know she'll just show up and it's been eight years and never did so that's a big reason why ethan's got to do what he's doing uh however um i like how he gets um frank hancock hancock involved oh, yeah. which i thought was a throwaway character from the first book mm-hmm. you know like i was like oh yeah he's like the the surly fbi guy and like he's a jerk and i don't like him and now that he's retired and he has the heart issue he's awesome <laughs> i love the guy like there was such a turn a face turn on frank Han- hancock because he just wants to be you know useful and so he's like pulling all the stuff for ethan like asking no like no like questions or like showing any like strain from doing this and then i like the fact that um Ethan had promised him a uh, a Langer's pastrami sandwich, which <laughs> I didn't know Langer's Deli has been in LA that long. I knew it's it's been a uh, a fixture for a very long time, but I didn't even know I didn't know it was all the way back in the eighties they were around. Um, but uh, supposedly the best 
uh, pastrami in LA County. I've never been there, so I can't tell you whether or not that's true. But um, but then he's like, but Ethan's like, I'm afraid of your of your wife, so I didn't actually bring you a sandwich. <laughs> which I'm like, that's. that's I was gonna awesome. say I loved his uh, Ethan's relationship with uh, Frank's wife because yes. it was so sweet because she was just like, oh, you're keeping him active. Like, yeah, come yeah. by anytime you need because, yeah. like, you know, you, you, someone like that that like you know was the breadwinner and you know someone that had like a job that was very important when they're because at this point after he had a bad stroke he's like confined to a wheelchair like you can have a lot of despair for that type of person that mm-hmm. they don't have their purpose anymore so the wife is just so happy that ethan comes by and gives him stuff to do i thought it was really sweet yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i thought that too definitely it's pretty cool and we unfortunately jump into uh sex cults which I don't know how. How is that unfortunate? (laughs) (laughs) Live a little. um, (laughs) And basically, yeah, like you definitely, and they're mentioned, but you also get definite like um, the feeling of like the Manson murders, as well as as like Jonestown, where like the hippie stuff went dark, is what I think is actually a quote from the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And and like yeah, that I could just imagine, especially like in the era. You know, there's no internet as well. And like just to have like something that seems so like pure and so like benign, like the hippie movement, like all of a sudden just become this violent and dark and scary mess. And like how easy it could be to be like, you know, peace and love, and all of a sudden it's like peace and love and murder, <laughs> peace and love and drugs, you know. So so yeah, like yeah, it's uh it, it's just crazy like how things turn and I can't even imagine living through that or even being like a teenager or, or an adult living through that as well. And, you know, trying to find my place in the world and all of a sudden, like what I thought was my place in the world, all of a sudden now is there's a few people that are, are making it a dark place. Well, I, I think what made it a dark place was amphetamines. Yeah. <laughs> and then you mix that with people who are sociopaths. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get, I think, the kind of issues yeah. that they that they brought up. But um, because they're in the, in particular in this book, when they um, when they're on the search for Maggie, like you find out that she did go to Hollywood. She ended up living with a few like people that were her quote unquote friends. But you, what is she? She ends up getting some together with some guy who had a big ass house and basically had a harem of women and all they would do is just like drop acid, do amphetamines and then like fuck, which on the surface, going back to my original statement from the last reckless book, drugs are fun. That sounds great. Um, But when you keep doing them and then you just create spacey eyed, dead eyed girls, Mm -hmm. you know, that become, I think, um, susceptible to things you say that's when it becomes very dangerous yep. you know if you take advantage of truly vulnerable people yeah exactly or take advantage of the rich and their boredom like um magnus epoch or magnus erickson or whatever his real name was um mm-hmm. was doing as well and yeah i did you guys like that kind of that twist where there was literally like a literal Nazi, a literal literal <laughs> cult slash literal Nazi running that cult. Like I thought that was, I mean, because like at first I was like, oh, like 
they got into the devil stuff but i i was like in my brain was like oh that it wasn't real but then it turned out that like it wasn't real but to them it was real and mm-hmm. they were literally yes. they, they were all true believers yeah yes. they were and i was like oh wow like like that's crazy because i was kind of getting like a satanic panic kind of vibe to it at first where i was like oh it's it's not real like everyone just says it is but mm-hmm. then yeah don't know this guy this asshole who was literally a nazi before was was manipulating people and getting them to give them money and, and kill each other so that's you crazy. know which which is interesting because i guess it does really tie back to richard's spotlight mm-hmm. where you have a, a certain group of people who for whatever what for whatever like upper echelon thing they have whether it be access to people access to power they actually have money they actually have power they're beautiful whatever um i think when you when you do have like loads of time and cash to burn you don't necessarily have like the best decision making skills you know mm-hmm. and so you do kind of fill your time um and the and your space with people that aren't great for you and I thought that, you know, whereas Maggie, I don't think was influential at all. I don't think she was anything important, no. but she was beautiful. And, you know, there was an off air comment made about how, you know, maybe she was using her body to get access to drugs. And if she did that, she used her looks and then it led her down um, an unfortunate path. I have a little bit of sympathy for her because yeah. I'm like, oh, you know as a child when you when you see through lynn's perspective you see her be like this really great person but at the same time i think when and i will attest to this when you grow up with someone and they disappear from your life or they pass before their time or whatever you kind of put them on a pedestal right yeah you you only remember like the really great parts of them so Maggie could have been just as vapid as we see her as an adult in the cult, but we we don't get that true perspective because we only see Lynn's perspective for so long about how Maggie like beat up that racist asshole for her, you know, and like accepted her. And so it's just really interesting. You're definitely right. But also I just feel like it could also you could read it that way, but also you could read it in the direction that like this is what happens when people have big dreams and their dreams are crushed, then they feel helpless and like you know what's the old saying like you end up with the wrong crowd like yeah it wasn't yeah. just some random oh. guy she was living with he was a hollywood producer so yeah. she was down on her luck and this could have been her way in and then I, the thing is is that you get swept away i'm an absolute fucking idiot i didn't even realize that she was living with the producer yeah. i just remembered that right now it was one of the co yeah. yeah the jay jeffers guy who later got yeah. killed yeah. yeah i'm dumb yeah you're right yeah this uh no the thing is, is that you could read it either way because of course when someone passes away especially like an older sibling the, a, a nice older sibling so you only see like I, I i'm sure lynn only has an idealized version of maggie in her mind because mm-hmm. maggie is strong-willed maggie protected her maggie went out to uh, achieve her dreams you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying so like the maggie that and like I, I, she didn't see like Maggie's insecurities and whatnot because yeah. Maggie's like I want to be strong for my little sibling, yeah. so I'm not going to show that part of me. I'm not sharing that part of myself. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how, as the story was going along, we're getting the dialogue, you know, like the the monologue from Ethan. Sorry, um, we were getting we were getting a dialogue or a monologue from Ethan. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Like... I don't know. I'm just staring at you. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's called love, Brian. It's great. <laughs> God damn it. I know. He's like, why is my wife looking at me? Because she loves you, Brian. Yes. Or there's something on your face. I'm not sure. No, there's nothing <laughs> on his face. All right. Just his cuteness. Oh, yeah, right. Aww. Um, uh, one thing that I did enjoy about the um about the story and like the monologue as it's going along in the investigation, you know, we're all obviously following along on the investigation with Ethan and he's telling the story, is like he keeps mentioning that his hope of the result is um, it just keeps getting bleaker and bleaker mm-hmm. you know like how like yeah, at first he's like oh yeah we'll find her she's alive she's fine and then it just yeah now it's like oh yeah she's probably dead she most definitely is dead she's most definitely dead and something bad happened to her yeah you know like it, it, I thought that was a very interesting kind of path that we went down with with Ethan yeah. one interesting well. part in the story was that when uh, he finds uh the other the other partner that had the uh, photo studio when oh, he finds Finch- out that he gets Fanshaw yeah Fanshaw yeah. when he finds out he gets stabbed and then like Ethan knows that he's kind of made so he you know he tells Annie to just like lay low and and then he you know parks on the beach and he's just like the whole night all he could do is he's having vis- visions of Maggie and like he's you know accepting that the fact that like oh yeah like there's not gonna be a happy ending here and mm-hmm. I just. I, Fuck, I mean, this is no secret. Brewbreaker is a master of the craft, but like just little things like that, mm-hmm. that like it's a dead girl in like a one, you know, a one shot comic book story, but like he really makes you with his dialogue and his descriptions feel yeah. for Maggie and mm-hmm. feel like uh, Ethan's agony because Ethan really cares about Lynn. And, yeah. and, and Ethan's someone that usually gets the job done. So when he picks this up for her, though he thinks it might be bad, he's like, I'm Ethan, I'm Ethan Reckless. I'm going to make this work for this woman <laughs> that I'm into. Yeah. And then you could see him, like, kind of, he doesn't get, like, stick into, like, a full depression, but you could see him coming to that realization, like Brian was saying, that, like, this isn't going to end well. And then just the way that he's laying, you know, that sleepless nights in his uh, van, you could just see it weighing on him, and it's done so well in the book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, it was going to be a question towards the end, um, but I'll ask it now. And it's the question I asked the first time. Do you feel that Ethan is a good person after reading this book? Because I know I know the consensus was no, he's not a good person through the first book. But this one, with all what just Richard said, do you feel that he's a good person? I mean, I feel that he's a person and people are yeah. complex. I feel that in this book, his behavior and everything, it's a lot more he's a much more pleasant human being in this book, but okay. like he also stabbed the guy in the eye. A person that deserved it, but he stabbed the guy in the eye. <laughs> yeah. There's really no qualms about it. No yeah. qualms at all. Yeah. No, um, no, I do love, um, like, you know, we read a lot of books for the show and just general life, but like, I do love how his like, uh, with the explosion thing that like, he's so matter-of-factly with his violence. Like, it's it's very well rare that we see him angry or amped up. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I stabbed this guy in the face now because this is what the situation dictates. It's a, like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I 
like when when you see Wolverine go berserk, he kind of rebels in it, or you'll other see yeah. other characters that like you know, or the Hulk is ashamed or afraid of his violence at times, and it's just very like. Okay, I guess I have to kill everybody now because I have a brain injury. Like, I can't relish in this or get too high or too low. It's just an inter- interesting way to see it depicted. This is plan C. <laughs> like, here we are. You know, uh, this is what we have to do. I, yeah. I don't know if I think Ethan is a good or a bad person, but I do think that his own personal journey towards finding out who he is because i think i'm i'm feeling like that's the one of the points of the book is that along with the re the reader along with ethan is going to find out just who he is truly at his core and i find his um his journey very bittersweet and i don't know i'm very happy for him in this book particularly because I appreciate the feelings that he developed for Lynn and I think that he's deserving of those feelings and obviously he he cares about Anna or he cares about Frank because he wouldn't have given them the heads up when he thought that the El Ricardo was being staked so um I I do I do appreciate that. I just don't know if I can say he's very nuanced. He is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if we'll, yeah. we can say like good or bad. Yeah. I do like the stabbing in the eye, though. I yeah. mean, I appreciate that quite a bit. Definitely, definitely deserved it. <laughs> um, I, oh, 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 but like, okay, fucking Brubaker, like the what, the, the two to three page like spread of panels that all black i was gonna say and then just yeah yeah fucking genius i loved that i a lot of times when i'm reading comics and and the and the comic goes all black like that i'm like why am i even reading a comic because we're literally getting black panels Uh it has to be used well and very to be effective and for me to like it and in this case it's absolutely perfect because that's the perspective of the storyteller is that they're being blindfolded so that they can't see and they can only hear and then we're and we're also experiencing the time because we're getting multiple panels so okay maybe this is just me if i don't know if i'm like reading too much into it but the, the little dialogue boxes they're mostly in the same place, okay? Mm-hmm. Throughout the entire little black panel spread. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the one that says relieved, that he feels relieved, is in a different spot. When you read ahead, and he tells, the he has the internal monologue, and he's saying that he cracked his handcuffs. Yeah. And then when that's why he said he was relieved. I'm wondering... Because he's he's methodically working on his handcuffs, so he's cool, he's calm, he's collected. And then once he does have the break, the dialogue bubble is just a little bit different. So mm-hmm. that's like the I don't know if I'm just reading into that, but I really liked that part. I was just like, oh shit! Because I, I mean, know. even if you are just reading into it, I like that interpretation. Yeah. So I, yeah. I say run with it. 
Yeah, I say yeah. Good interpretation. I mean, I I really I just I really enjoyed that whole part. I thought that was really really well done by the. I whole thought team. that scene was cool, and then right after it, when he breaks out, and then like this Nazi bastard that's like a complete, you know, just a complete monster. I do love the bargaining right before Ethan stabs him in the eye. He's like, whoa, whoa, come on, man! She volunteered as yeah. if that makes it okay. Yeah. But like, even for monsters like a Nazi, like like there's still some part of humanity that you know like. He still fears for his life, even though, like, yeah. he doesn't care about taking them, you know. He's a coward. Having a deaf cult sacrifice a woman, he doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. But, like, I guess, like, I don't want to, like, love it too much because I don't want to empathize with Nazi, but I just thought it was a good touch that, like, even this real, like, this stone-cold bastard, even at the end, is like, no, nah, no, nah, please, come on, man, don't kill me. Come on, man, we can, you know, work it out. I like, I liked how Magnus had the James Bond supervillain moment where he's like can't shut up and just tells the oh, entire right, right. Plan. He tells the whole yeah. <laughs> story. Yeah. I thought that I thought that was great. And me- meanwhile, like like Reckless is just waiting for him to shut up so he can then like show that he's like out of his handcuffs yeah. and just start cracking skulls. <laughs> like I can like come on, shut up now. Um but yeah. And again um, with the uh Brewbaker's uh dialogue, because it's there on the page, but the way that like when they're going through when he's going through his whole monologue and uh ethan's uh internal monologue is describing the deadness of maggie's eyes like it's on the page but just yeah. i don't know the, the words the the verbiage does a lot of work to really paint that picture that i'm like yeah like like if you've ever met people that do hard drugs or if you had someone that's like had a concussion or like a you know brain injury where the lights are on, but it's very apparent that no one's home. Yeah. And I just between the art and Brewbreaker's words, I really felt like he crafted those scenes really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it goes without saying, and we've mentioned it a few times before, it's just that um Brewbreaker and Phillips are a machine and they just yeah. put out they just turn out like perfection. And um and then Jacob Phillips as well. The coloring is just amazing. It's just like, I don't mm. understand yeah. this tandem, this like triforce of like creators that. And like, like uh, with the coloring, the use of shadow. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. like, like um, when he goes to the hospital and he's talking to Fenshaw and it's just kind of like, it's it, the, the only light that's coming in is from like the door that's open. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a whole shadowy room, but it, it's just so well done. Like it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to review these books just because it's like, well, that was perfect. And then next week yeah. we're gonna read a book, you know, we'll read a book that's very good, but like, hey, no, this 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 is perfect. This is a master class on yeah. how to do this. Yeah. Exactly. And and he ties up the loose ends. Like he's basically like, I'm not gonna hurt you, Fenshaw, but you're gonna pay for like and also, part of this. And like, I yeah. also like um that uh Ethan as a character, like he does have a curiosity because like he goes to Fed Shop more than anything to basically close the loop. Like there's nothing else to figure out, nothing else for him to do. It's just yeah. satisfying his curiosity to be like, hey, let me understand everything. So and you know, I guess exactly. also he wants to explain it to Lynn, but he just mm-hmm. feels the need to to, yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah exactly just to confirm well and i think it also kind of harkens back to the first book because remember he kind of does the same thing yeah. to uh to hancock and then hancock says no you're wrong it wasn't the cia oh that's yeah. right oh right, right. he's that's like yeah right. dude you're you're completely out of your skis you you don't know enough of anything right now yeah, mm-hmm. exactly so so i felt like it was kind of nice that 
that this book unlike the first book his assumptions were correct Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like it was it was kind of nice to know that um but uh, now i have a question about the end of the book for you for the two of you yes now because they don't say it explicitly that she asked did ethan have to show lynn the video that's a good question i have i get the vibe that she probably insisted just kind of the way the character is exactly i feel like the character she insists but like it's really bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a like I feel like film. he, he could have just right, right. That's exactly what. But I'm like, she didn't need to see. Like, I don't know. Like, I couldn't imagine the trauma of seeing someone that close to me. Like, he was already traumatized, and he didn't know this woman to yeah. see someone that close to you be like ritually sacrificed like that. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. it just, it, I don't know. It, 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 it just hurt. And like, I. But I felt like it was consistent with Lynn's character that she would yes. insist on seeing it. But yeah. I was just like, she could just not see that because it, it, it was pretty awful. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that if she didn't see it, it would just eat her up alive. True. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and, and whatever is in her head is worse than yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, just... Really, I have a couple more points on my uh-huh. on my notes here. Yeah. Uh, one, we kind of had mentioned like you know Ethan's investigation. Um, I love the little blurb about um when he goes to see the other producer, uh, how he gets into the retirement home. He's like, sometimes <laughs> yeah. like, the best tool is a clipboard. Yeah. Like if you have a clipboard, and I won't ask you any questions. I'm like, that's kind of true. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I, when when, he, when I read that, I was just like, I feel like that still works to this day. If you just walk. You, like you yeah. said, you, you brim down low with your face in a clipboard. Yeah, uh-huh. you can walk in anywhere. No one says anything yeah, to you. Because yeah. you're obviously supposed to be here, even if you're not recognized. Like, you're you're doing something. You're doing your job. You know, like, you're, yeah, you're here for somebody. That's Especially, crazy. in like, a, a care facility. Yeah, like, obviously. I, I think, I think that maybe, like, the modern take of it too is like get like a get a uh, a DoorDash um, like basket or something like that. Make it look <laughs> like you're delivering food. Like yeah, just it's like yeah, I'm here to I'm, someone someone ordered some uh some Domino's. I'm here to give them some pizza right now. That's why I'm here. Um, but yeah, the um, also last thing, um, I I love. I mean, and this is definitely uh a very much a a, a pillar of the noir slash like pulp novel genre where the locations matter. And Brubaker, you know, he's he lived in Southern California and he definitely uses like this place um as um you know for a lot of reference is references that work for the people who like know the areas, but I'm assuming also work for you know, just like he explains it and he shows it well enough, or Phillips shows it well enough where it, it everyone can get it. And um and one of the things I just love, of course, the Nazis live in huntington beach in orange county and it's uh-huh. like and, and especially like in the 80s like when the neo-nazi movement was happening that was one of the, the big centers and i basically know that because that's also like the center of neo-nazi punk um that movement the skinhead punk movement was definitely from from orange county which was really sad and um so like like yeah you use your use your references use your area and, and you like, also want to go on the what's that other uh, Southern Poverty Loss uh, website, the one that talks about hate groups. 
Mm -hmm. um, if you want to look up where most of the hate groups are located in California, I'm going to let you have three guesses. Which, uh, which county? Which county it is, but it was talked about today yeah. in our book. Yep, maybe just a second ago. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's where a lot of the alt-right groups are located right now. Yeah. So um, that's not good. It's yeah, not. It it's a home of Disneyland. God damn it. Yeah, you would think it would be different, but just like what Brubaker or Reckless, I guess, in this narrative says, mm -hmm. is that um, you know, like you get a bunch of rich white kids that are bored. Nothing better to do. Yeah, it's just easy. It's easy to manipulate them. Mm -hmm. But the um, thing is, is that why not? Like, I don't know. I I have a different relationship with interactions with people and boredom yeah. and with drugs. And it's like, but like, why not focus on your energy and getting laid and exactly. you know fun things? Like, <laughs> like yeah. I don't like I don't understand boredom and then like it um immediately turns into like neo Nazism. It's like, hey. Why don't we like try to meet girls and do fun stuff? <laughs> because like in the book that you you chose, Richard, in Lovesick, the people that are bored with money, um, who are truly like gross human beings, they don't know how and they don't have the ability to get laid. The no the there is no amount of money unless you're willing to pay a you know a sex worker there's no amount of money that will get them laid and i think that's part of it i i think well, there's a lot of people yeah. that don't uh, and maybe it's because we grew up in different areas but like it's just it's it's easier for for people like that to blame women to blame anyone else for their own their own shortcomings than it is for them to be like oh i could do something with more beneficial to myself for with this money and this time mm -hmm. you know and this status like i could be out getting all kinds of pussy i'm assuming <laughs> that's how men talk um <laughs> like you know whatever but they don't they don't do it so i think i need to go like and uh my calling needs to be to go be like hitch for like white supremacist communities and be oh, like hey yeah. hey <laughs> i know you guys were gonna you know spray paint swastikas on stuff however <laughs> how about i teach you to dance and we go yeah. get you some pussy i just don't understand conceptually being that shitty all the time like yeah. i get angry about stuff and then you know what i do i'm like hey i don't like this feeling and i want to go find a feeling that's more enjoyable than this like to just sit there on all that rage and then like want to do harm to people is something I'll never, maybe mm -hmm. not never, but like and up to this point I can't quite grasp. No, I yeah. I agree with 100%. you. One hundred percent agree. Um, also just so just really quick though with with the uh, the local references and everything, um, the uh, Brubaker Phillips they just came out with a book last week. Um, not surprisingly, it was really good. Um, it took place in Europe, and in the back, Sean Phillips was like, oh, the reason why we did this book was because um, we just did five books that took place in L.A., and, like, I had to go off all of, you know, Ed's, like, references yeah. to draw these places, and then he, Ed was like, why don't we draw, why don't we 
put a book in a place where you've been to so, like <laughs> you can do like you know you know like you can finally draw like what you know without having to look at my my references you know and like sean was more than happy to uh to draw france is that where where the new book comes from is that where sean phillips is from uh, no he's from he's from the uk Oh, okay. but, but like, you know, like Europe is so small. So he's been, probably, I'm assuming, at least to France. So That's yeah, cool. he drew, That's he, fun. yeah, the, the new book. Um, and I'm, oh my God, my brain's Don't not working. Don't plug it right today. now. We have still to finish our yeah, book. It's, it's good. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Maybe I'll have it as a spotlight next week. There you go. Um, but yeah. Um, but anyways. my final thoughts on the yeah, book. Yeah, final thoughts, um, please. They're really, it's a really, really good book. I, I am hesitant to say that I liked it more than the first book. Um, I'm only saying that because this book is felt completely different to me in a really good way mm-hmm. that like, I don't really think that the tones are comparable, okay. but I think that Ethan is a, the, the characters are stronger, maybe because there's not so many characters being introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only really like one character or a couple of characters. Well, actually, no. I take that back. There's a lot of characters being introduced, but like, it just, it feels different, It, but it's a really great book. Yeah. It's a high recommend. And this message this week, drugs are bad. Don't do them. <laughs> yes. Um, and Richard, do you have any final thoughts? No, just the book is excellent, man. Like Ethan's a great character. Like I, I, I want to meet someone like Lynn. She seems awesome. <laughs> but no, just, it's really, really good. Like I, <laughs> Um, I, I, I read this all in one sitting, like, you know, typically, you know, I'll, you know, read a chapter here or I guess there are chapter breaks, but they're not, you know, explicit chapter breaks, but, you know, you'll see when there's like a title on the page, I feel like that's a a chapter break, Mm -hmm. but like, no, I burnt right through it in one sitting. It's really, really fun. Really, really. Well, I don't know about fun, but it's really, really good and well-made. And then also just like, um, in your, uh, is Ethan a good person column? After he no longer knows Lynn, independent of doing his uh job, his other jobs, he spends like years hunting down the other copies of the film and destroying them That's just right. on her behalf. And he never tells her, you know, like like it it's not to get credit, it's just that for him, like this is like the right and noble thing to do. This is the closure that he oh, needs. Yeah. yeah. And he wants to give it that. you know, he wants to make sure Lynn never like comes across this yeah and then he yeah. all, he hoped that she had grandbabies yeah yeah mm-hmm. and um i did think it was cute that at the end like um him and uh and uh and we were watching she made him watch planet nine from outer space yeah yeah that was which um, you know after a tough day like i've never seen that movie but i know you know know what yeah. conceptually but like i feel like after like such a rough time yeah like a bad movie like that is like a good palate cleanser just something goofy that you can laugh at yeah <laughs> absolutely and that was gonna be my final thought and you totally segued into it was that <laughs> once again anna is like my kindred spirit of a character <laughs> because like she's like i love tor johnson and i'm like yes anyone who loves tor johnson is a good person we also didn't talk about anna's amazing job oh, yes. acting as an irs agent yes had to dye her hair, had to slick it back, but but yeah. did a great job. She's yeah. Amy Bradford or whatever. Yeah, that was yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so, I, um, so. And, and and again, just like a um in earlier in the book with the clipboard, it's like this like simple disguises really do work. Like they do. People are dumb, and I don't yes. mean other people. I mean me included, because it's just like oh yeah, this person seems official enough. I'm not gonna ask uh, any follow up questions. Yeah. <laughs> 
exactly i think everyone's just under the assumption like that well one everyone kind of wants to do stuff where like there's no conflict but you know try to avoid conflict where we can and if someone just vaguely looks like they're supposed to be there they're supposed to be there you know like, yeah, there you go yeah oh i did have not not so much a final thought but a question um and brian uh, feel free not to answer if you do know this because you read ahead a little bit okay but um when ethan is narrating what year do we think it is because you know he talks about um how like he talks about having the internet now and doing research in a certain way that seems more contemporary to us so i'm like do you think it's 2020s do you think it's early 2000s like is he like a very old man elderly man at this point when he's narrating this or or is it like you know the late 90s and he's still he could still be active if he wanted to be they, they haven't specifically said it yet but okay. he does make a, a year reference that this happened 30 years prior Yes. So therefore, it's it would be 2015, if if Ish. it was thirty, yeah, around there, yeah. If it was that 30, is, I did catch that at the yeah. end. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, that that is a good question. We still don't know what where Ethan is telling the story. Why is he telling the story? Yeah. So I hope we get that. In I hope five. he's like telling it to his grandkids or something. Um, I hope he got a happy ending or something. One one stinger I'm gonna put out there for book three what i remember from it because it's been a couple years since i've read it is that we get a lot more anna in the third book and we also get oh, nice. back, we also get their origin story like how they met oh cool so that, no, that's, that's awesome. awesome i like yeah. Anna. it's a good great character so. um uh i will retract my earlier statement from the last reckless episode about where i called um uh little phillips What's Jacob, Jacob, sorry, I forgot the name baby. for a second. Uh, Jacob Phillip, I called him hashtag Nepo Baby. Um, I'll retract that because the coloring on the front splash pages, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're reading it digitally. Um, it's this beautiful mauve color with the black silhouette of the city, and it was just kiss. Yes. I was so excited to see that color, and I I made a comment about it right away to Brian when I was reading it. So, um. Yes, I, I still <laughs> I still have my feelings about stuff like that, but you know, obviously a credit to them as well. Like they're uh, an amazing colorist, and yeah. I think I think all my snippy remarks just come from a place of jealousy, <laughs> because I've always wanted to be a colorist because I love color, even though I wear all black. But um, yeah, it's uh, yep. it was really great. And we read uh, burn. And I'm I'm always uh, gonna come out pro nepotism. Every good job I've ever had was from the hookup of a friend of a friend of mine or someone I was related to. And if I became rich and famous and powerful, guess what? Everybody that I know is going to benefit from that. Pass the so, buck. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to pass them. Everyone that I care about, like, is getting the hookup. So yeah. I am like, I understand why nepotism is bad, but I'm like, no, nah, that's also how the world works. So I'm not really gonna get no, upset no, no, about no. it because I'm <laughs> again. It's coming strictly from a place of jealousy. I have yeah. never, I've, I, the the very first job I ever had was at a restaurant, and that was because my dad was friends with the owner, and that's how I got the job. But um, I, you know, I've, I've other than that, I've never been able to get jobs like that. I've, you know, yeah, no, no. I mean, I've gotten I'm jobs that, yeah, no, I've gotten jobs that uh, you know, on my own merit. But I just feel like, yeah, guess what. 
if you have opportunities, you're going to give them to the people that you oh, care absolutely. about. <laughs> no, well, so, well, so I, I just find it like it's because those opportunities are front facing that I think pisses people off or that people that are unqualified. But guess what? I've gotten people jobs that immediately gotten fired because like they couldn't do the job. But yeah. it wasn't a job that anyone gave a fuck about. So no one called them a nepotism hire. They were just like, oh, yeah. Hey, Rick, that uh, that, that idiot that you had us hire blew up in your face. I'm like, my bad. Nope. No. I had, a, I had a, a person that I got them a job. And while they were still in trading, they uh, they accidentally incited a melee. <laughs> what the fuck? And not a super special melee. Just no, no, no. Like, just bit. basically, like, they were being silly and they said something off color and then that oh, caused somebody shit. but not to fight that that person it caused a fight between two other people wow <laughs> and basically three people ended up getting fired because i got this guy a job. that's <laughs> also like the best last day at work <laughs> Like, pretty fantastic yeah i think so and then, like i wasn't there so like it was one of those things where, like i walked into work the next day and they're like uh we need to talk to you about your friend and i'm like yeah my bad oh that's so so, great. so you're essentially the the uh the rube goldberg device of chaos yes <laughs> <laughs> so what you're telling me is when i move to miami you can get me a job because that's all i'm hearing well, absolutely <laughs> okay, okay great that's, that's it's, yes that's absolutely all right Perfect. that that i can guarantee like i can't guarantee that you won't start a melee but i can definitely get you a job yes. i don't unless we're talking about sexual positions i really don't say a lot of things off color no <laughs> i'm gonna be like hey uh pick a staff question who knows what an eiffel tower is yeah <laughs> yeah that'll only get you taken to hr it will get it's not just, fired okay. immediately it's not just oh, okay. a place in france <laughs> oh yeah Okay. All right. Well, I think that's about it then. If unless you have anything else to say, but I think we're good. No, um, next I week think... is is Richard's choice, right? No, it's your choice. No, Carrie. Oh, so well, that, we no, we've got. reached the end of the show. Thank you to everyone listening to the show tonight. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Good Pods. We are CDB as in Bibe Pod for our book clubbers. On Friday, we will announce the next episode's main subject on Instagram, so you too can follow along. If you want to join in on the conversation, email us at uh, comicsdeservebetter at gmail.com. Richard, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm at TopCat360 all over the internet. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I don't know. There's no sports anymore. Oh, my bad. The Florida Marlins are apparently amazing, and they have somebody batting 400, which is oh, crazy. Yeah. That hasn't happened since Ted Williams in the uh, like the 40s. Mm-hmm. So that's nuts. Like I don't. I everyone's like he can't maintain it for the whole season, but like since South Florida sports is just on one lately, maybe he will. And we still won't win the championship because, you know, we're not allowed to have the nicest of nice things. We just get fun, nice things. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pre-apologize if they end up playing the Angels in the, in the, in the World Series. No, the way the Angels go, yeah, there's the, no way yeah, they're making it's not gonna the final. So you could have been a Dodgers fan or a Padres fan, and you chose to be an Angels fan. Well, I, that's I, a, I, I'm an, That's an interesting a, decision. I'm an decision. Angels and a Padres fan. I, I, yeah, I okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I will. I have a place in my heart for both of those teams, but yeah, definitely not the Dodgers. Because the the, I mean, 
the angels are cool now because Shohei Atani is like a god, but yeah, it's just it's been slim for a very long time. <laughs> Definitely, and I think I, I I got back into the angels like during that 2002 World Series run. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, he's you've been an Angels fan since you were a child, right? Yes, yeah, because it, he's from originally from Orange County, and he has. And I'm not a Nazi. I he's promise. not a Nazi. I would not have married him. <laughs> I, I mean. <laughs> Maybe um, he's the world's like 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 oh, was oh was it, Nazi. It, I was gonna say, isn't the chameleon a Nazi in uh Spider Man? He totally is. The original yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's very true. That's Maybe funny. Brian's just a master of disguise. This is called uh, this is called the 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 uh the long game is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Wait, what? Like well like I'm, like who No, Brian, to? don't that just let the joke lie. Don't dig a bigger hole for yourself. <laughs> now there's going to be palace intrigue in your home. Carrie's going to not trust you anymore. <laughs> yeah, did you hear that tone of my voice? Like, yeah. excuse me, what's going on? Carrie's like, wait, what? What's going on? Uh, uh, Brian, where can we find you on the dark web? You can find, um, you can hear my marriage uh, disintegrate and God. disrupt on uh, Brian, Brian underscore CB. Um, but yeah. Once again, just uh, posting um, stories from other artists and stuff to show off that their artwork and hopefully get them a few more clicks. You know, so all good Absolutely. stuff. Cool. We have we have a couple interviews uh, that might go out next week. We're going to do the interviews next week, but I don't know when we're going to send out the bonus episodes. But you'll you'll be hearing a lot from us. Yes. In the next few weeks, so cool, cool. stay tuned. Yes, and um, for Richard and for Brian, I am Carrie, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Remember, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. Thank you so much for listening. You guys have a good day, a night, week, wherever you are. Bye, bitches. (laughs) Good solstice. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's the uh, summer. It's the longest Something, something. Something okay, yes. bye. Good night. <laughs> Good night. I was gonna say, with that yawn, Terry, definitely feels like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. it's been a long day. All right, bye, everyone.